Chapter 2 An Evening of Mystery There she is, Biff shouted. Looking around, the brothers saw that the other speedboat had veered in plenty of time to run easily before the sailcraft. The big bald man was pointing at the boys and laughing. Banker again, Joe, Frank cried angrily. We're going after those men. I can't, Joe shouted back over the roar of the engine. She won't respond to the wheel. Already a quarter of a mile of open water separated the two boats. Helpless, the four friends watched the black craft race away. Meanwhile, the sleuth shot ahead at full speed, her handsome prow lifted clear of the water. Do something, Chet cried. We'll run aground. No, we won't, Frank said, who noticed the curving white swath of their wake. We're going in circles. The sleuth, her steering mechanism disabled by Frank's emergency turn, was clearly completing the wide circuit. We might as well save gas, Joe said, throttling down. One thing's sure. We won't make it to Shantytown today. Glumily, the four sat still while the distant shores seemed to rotate around them. To the east, where the bay opened toward the sea, a grayish mist lay over the black water. Look at that fog bank, Biff said. I hope we're not stuck here when it rolls in. It might be mighty hard for anybody to find us. No, I don't think that pea soup will move in before dark, Frank said but there was a note of concern in his voice. We're supposed to go to Callie's costume party tonight, Chet reminded the others, so we will better get out of this mess soon. Suddenly, the boys' attention was diverted by a high whine of the motorboat plowing toward them across the water. More trouble? Trouble nothing, Joe exclaimed. It's Anopoly! Hi, Tony! The four companions waved wildly at their friend, and in a few minutes, a yellow speedboat idled up alongside the sleuth. Thought it was you, said a dark-haired Tony from behind the wheel. Why are you fellows running in circles, asked Jerry Gilroy, who sat beside Tony. Our steering's fouled up, Joe reported briefly. Give us a tow, will you, Tony? I'll tell you all about it on the way. Chet, let's have a line back there. Taking a coil of rope from the stout boy, Joe scrambled onto the prow of the sleuth. He secured a line at the bow, passed it to Jerry in the Napoli, and then climbed into Tony's boat himself. While the sleuth bobbed along toward the bayport in the wake of the Napoli, Joe told the newcomers of the near collision. Twenty minutes later, the six friends stood together on the dock of the bayport boatyard while a mechanic examined the sleuth. You think the fellow tried to sideswipe you on purpose? Tony asked. Yes, I do, said Frank. They saw us clearly and heard us shouting, but they came straight at us anyhow. Maybe something went wrong with their boat, Tony suggested. It could have been an accident. Accident? Chet Morton snorted. You should have seen the look on that bald man's face after we skimmed past the last sailboat. They were out to get us. But why? Jerry inquired. Did you ever see them before? Never, Joe stated positively. But I certainly hope we see them again. We'll report it to the Coast Guard, Frank said. They may want to talk to those two men. Just then, the young mechanic joined the group. You have a damaged rudder, he reported to the Hardys. I've fixed it temporarily, but you'll need a new part to do the job right. It'll take a day or two for me to get it. Bring your boat back in then. I'll follow you while you take the sleuth to your boathouse, 
Tony volunteered. Then we can all go to the Coast Guard station in the Napoli. After the Hardy's craft had been safely moored in their boathouse, Tony headed the Napoli out into the bay. He turned and followed the shoreline to the long jetties where the freighters were docked. Soon the Napoli passed under the gray bow of the big cutter moored at the Coast Guard pier. Tony made his boat fast and the six boys climbed up the steel ladder onto the dock. They entered the small, neat station office, which had a shortwave tower on its roof. The officer on duty rose from his desk. Hello? Frank, Joe, fellas, he greeted them. The personnel at the Bayport station knew the Hardys well. More than once they had cooperated with the boys and their father on cases. Hello, Lieutenant Parker, Frank said gravely. We wanted to report a near collision caused by a powerboat named the Black Cat. Can you tell us who owns it? Quickly, Frank gave an account of the incident while the officer took notes. Then, a seaman who had been listening brought over a heavy ledger, which he spread open at the desk. Lieutenant Parker ran his finger down the list of names of licenses and speedboats on the bay. Nothing here, he announced, looking up. She must have come in from an outside port. Have you noticed a boat like that in the last week or so, Thompson? The seaman thought for a moment. No, sir, he said. But there's been a big regatta going on up on the coast for a couple of days. She may have run down from there. We'll go up and find her, Joe put it eagerly. What's the town it's in? Uh, Northport. Not so fast, Frank said. Don't forget our business, Joe. You win, Joe replied with a rueful grin. We'll have our patrol boats keep looking out for the craft, the officer promised. If we find it, I'll call you. It was late afternoon when the Napoli plowed through the rough water on her return to the Hardy boathouse. To seaward, the wall of mist had mounted higher and moved in closer, so that now it seemed almost at the harbor's mouth. The fog's coming in fast, Jerry remarked as Frank, Joe, Chet, and Biff disembarked. The Hardys thanked Tony for his help. That's okay, he replied. It's getting late. We'd better go home and get ready for Callie's party, Chet said. Don't forget your costume, Joe called as the Napoli churned away. How about you fellas? Are you all set for the masquerade? Joe says to Biff. I am, the fat boy chuckled in anticipation. Wait till you see what I'm going to wear, Chet chimed in excitedly. Even you detectives won't know us, Biff replied. We just have time to pick up our costumes from Mr. French before he closes, Frank noted. A few minutes later, there was a clatter as Chet backed his jalopy onto Shore Road, and he and Biff drove off. The Hardys kicked their motorcycles into life and started toward town. When they reached Bayport's main street, most of the stores were closing. We're in luck, Frank declared as he parked in front of the costume store. It's still open. Mr. French has a couple of costumes in there. The boys hurried toward the door. Through the wide shop window, they could see a tall, spare proprietor with thinning blonde hair and a small graying mustache. He was talking earnestly to the two men whose backs were turned. None of them noticed the boys. As Frank pushed open the door, Mr. French stopped speaking. The taller of the strangers raised his voice and said in an ugly tone, 
Well, you're in this now, French, don't you forget it.